Hello, everybody. This is Gary Bean welcoming you to the LR Research Podcast in the Now, episode number 52. LR Research is a nonprofit organization dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community. Towards this end, has a couple websites the archive website, lrresearch.org, and the community website, bringforth.org. During each episode, those of LL Research form a panel to consider questions from spiritual seekers. That panel consists of Jim McCarty, who is husband to the late Carla Ruckert, scribe for the Raw Contact and president of LL Research, along with myself and Austin Bridges, who are working hard to keep the mission of LL Research alive and well. All of us are devoted seekers and students of the Law of One. Um, this podcast is designed to be a platform of discussion. We consider questions from spiritual seekers that really challenge us to determine our own thoughts. Uh, please know that our replies to these questions are not final or authoritative. Um, they're subjective interpretations. And we ask each who listens to exercise their own discernment and listen for their own resonance in determining what is true for them. If you'd like to send us a question for the show, please do so. Our humble podcast relies on your questions. You can either send an email to contact at llresearch.org or go to llresearch.org slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Gary, and we are embarking on a new episode of LL Research Weekly Podcast. And now uh, Austin and Jim, are you also embarking on a new episode? Indeed. Yes, and so is Pickwick. <laughs> Pleasure to have you along, Pickwick. Um, um, you may hear our friend Pickwick uh, in the show. We'll, we'll try to edit him out, but he is uh, Jim and Carla's cat of how many year, years old? Jim? Almost 21. 21. And um, he may be in his final stages of incarnation and um, having a bit of a tough time and, and meowing quite vocally. <clears throat> so we will get right into our questions. The first one comes from Arnold, who asked a really solid question last episode, too. And Arnold says... Why disclose to third and fourth density entities on this planet information about the various densities and the thickness of illusion, which is designed to foster self-awareness, while simultaneously disclosing that it is the infinite creator's intent to keep the veil over our eyes from understanding third density's intended illusion? In other words, why reveal what is intended to be hidden? Uh, start with Austin. Do you have any insight into this question? Yeah, I think it's a pretty good question. Um, I feel that the crux of Arnold's question lies in the actual function of the veil. It seems to me that uh, the intent of the veil isn't simply to hide these things for the sake of them being hidden, uh, but to create sort of a process of seeking, which was a... Uh, is a natural result of the veiling. So without the veil, knowledge of the creator and communication between the conscious and unconscious mind is automatic. Ra talks about how before the veil, under these conditions, there was basically no impetus to seek, no polarization, and, and I take that to mean that there was a lack of significant experience uh, for the creator. And Ross speaks about this in 82.22, when, uh, 
when they say, uh, Consider, if you will, the tendency of those who are divinely happy, as you call this distortion, to have little urge to alter or better their condition. Such is the result of the mind-body-spirit which is not complex. There is the possibility of love of other selves and service to other selves, but there is the overwhelming awareness of the Creator in the self. The connection with the Creator is that of the umbilical cord. The security is total. Therefore, no love is terribly important, no pain terribly frightening. No effort, therefore, is made to serve for love or to benefit from fear. So the first argument I would make is simply uh, learning about these concepts typically doesn't instill a permanent and overriding sense of divine happiness, as Ra put it. At least it doesn't for me, and I don't think it has for anybody that I know uh, personally. Um, I certainly get a taste of that divine happiness, or I get a peek at it, when learning about these concepts or contemplating these concepts that are given to us by the Confederation. But it isn't like the reattachment of that umbilical cord. Uh, so in that sense, I'd say that the ultimate purpose and benefit of the veil is not eliminated or lessened by them sharing this knowledge with us. And along those same lines, I would argue that this sort of information um, has to be consciously sought when under the veil. It's not an innate thing. It's not uh, innate in our being as it was before the veil. And even then, uh, a person must be on the right path in order for this information to strike them as true. The majority of people on Earth right now will probably never be exposed to this specific information. And there are plenty of people who do find it, but then dismiss it. Um, and that's the nature of the veil. This uh, truth, if it is indeed true, uh, can easily be dismissed or rejected because of the free will of the individual. The act of seeking and finding this information and resonating with it, and then utilizing it to further one's personal transformation and seeking, is a powerful act that is possible only because of the veil, and I think that is the primary purpose of the veil, and that's, it creates that significant experience that um, the Creator is seeking in creation. And so uh, that brings me to why I think that these concepts are revealed to us, why the Confederation shares these concepts, because when it is presented in this way, with the veil fully intact, it aids in the polarization and the evolution of our souls. Uh, learning the information it gives us a bit of a peek of what is hidden by the veil, but it is more of a, a guiding star. It doesn't illuminate the darkness of the night completely. We still have to traverse the darkness, but it gives us a sort of a hint of direction or a hint of the way that we have to travel. And it may eventually lead to us piercing the veil and seeing all as one once again. Uh, but only if we make the choice to follow that path and dedicate ourselves to it, which, in that case, uh, the purpose of the veil is fulfilled and aided by the Confederation sharing this information. So uh, that's why I think that they do give us this information. Uh, back to you, Gary. Fantastic answer. Thank you. Um, Jim, what do you think? <laughs> I think Austin said everything I was going to say. Did you peek at my notes? <laughs> yeah, I stole <laughs> uh, I could say ditto. Um, I guess for myself, well, he, he mentioned fourth density too, and fourth density entities pretty much have the veil removed. It's not completely removed. So 
Uh, Ra wasn't telling them anything they don't already know a whole lot more about than what Ra says. But for the third density, as Austin says, I think that it's uh, something that gives us some hope. Uh, we're wandering around in an illusion that is very dense and difficult to penetrate any uh, sense from it. And the reason, of course, is as Austin said, is the veil that separates the conscious and subconscious minds. It mantles over everything that has any value as far as the spiritual journey is concerned, the, the nature of the creation being unified, the creation being made by the power of love and being made out of light. All those things are totally uh, revealed when there's no veil. So with the veil, we were just kind of stuck here in the, in the darkness, um, the darkness and the forgetting. And to hear from Ra or anybody that there is hope, that there is light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not a train coming at us, is uh, very, very uh, inspiring. So I think that the, the basic reason that Ra gave the information was to uh, help inspire us. It doesn't do any work for us. Like Austin said, you still have to do the work. Just because you know uh, a little bit about how the car runs doesn't mean you know how to drive it if you've never driven a car before. So uh, for me, it just gives me a lot of hope and uh, something to work on. And when you start getting those little tidbits of information back from your own subconscious, and you start saying, all right, yeah, okay, let's keep on going. So Gary, how about you? Uh, yeah, likewise. Um, I'm pretty sure Austin stole my notes as well. <laughs> I think that happens when you're forming a social memory complex. Which... You just need to pay more attention to your notes. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? So uh, my answer is highly congruent with Austin's, but I think I've got enough unique pieces to uh, hopefully make it worth uttering. And um, and an attempt to answer the question: So why do why does the confederation reveal what is in, intended to be hidden, as Arnold put it? Um, for me, the foundational premise to understand is that the positive service to other sources can serve those on this planet only insofar as it is requested. Both their presence and the information they offer are a direct function of the request that we on Earth issue in one form or another. Uh, that is to say that the Confederation sources select what they are able to share in accordance with our free will. Uh, and they, they hope to share information that empowers and informs us upon our journey. <clears throat> it doesn't, of course, abridge our free will. So I would, uh, much as Jim and Austin uh, said, I would slot information about the veil and the densities of this octave into that category. Such information doesn't violate our free will, but empowers us to understand ourselves and seek the Creator. Um, why do I say that? Um, in designing and implementing the Veil of Forgetting, the Logos did not intend, so far as I can speculate about these things, did not intend to keep knowledge of the Veil itself hidden. Rather, it intended that the Veil itself would keep certain information hidden to various degrees. For instance, the veil hides the, hides, quote unquote, the subconscious portion of the mind, uh, memory of past lives, memory of the pre-incarnational plan, um, immediate awareness of love and light and unity. But the logos did, however, design that that veil could be penetrated and with sufficient work and will and faith over time, dismantled altogether. And, uh, this is where I really dovetail with what Austin and Jim were saying. The Confederation's message doesn't penetrate the veil for us. It helps us to do the work of penetrating on our own. So with their information <clears throat> as a resource, we're potentially more empowered to understand our situation and ourselves 
and to understand the power we each possess in will and faith to author our own journey and affect our own transformation and serve others. And in fact, and I think Austin was uh, getting on this uh, topic too, or this thought, the Confederation's information about the veil is part of our process of penetrating the veil. We only arrive at such information as the Confederation offers because we are in a position to begin or to accelerate the journey of seeking. Um, the Confederation's information would have no place in someone who was not ready for or interested in seeking and penetrating the veil. And um, my final thought is that I, I definitely do not completely understand the parameters of free will and what does or does not abridge free will as entities of a higher density share information with entities of a lower density. But if the Confederation sources could tell us nothing about the actual creation, then there would be no channeling and no inspired visions or dreams or other methods of contact and communication. We would be completely in the dark, quote-unquote, left to our own devices to find our way. And and who knows, perhaps another Logoi in our infinite creation, um, they did design their third density experiences to be totally self-contained and free from outside information and influence as physically possible. Um, Ra actually did mention that it, there was some permeability designed between the boundaries of densities in this octave. And I think that is particular to this logos. I'm not sure. But anyways, there are many permutations to this great experiment. Um, you guys have any further thoughts for Arnold on that one? Not I. No, uh, just I think that in his question when he mentioned fourth uh, density entities, he's probably referring to the uh, dual activated entities who are fourth density in nature but incarnate into bodies that are third density and fourth density but still have a veil intact, a uh, thinner one, but yeah. still have a veil. I assume that's what he was talking about. Yeah. Uh, that's all. Yeah, I think you're right. All right, Arnold's got... Uh, one more to challenge us here. <laughs> One more for this week. He's got some more lined up. Oh, okay. One more for this week. Arnold says, uh, does now being aware of third... Let me try that again. Scratch the now. Yeah. <laughs> does being aware of the third density illusion create fear? I ask this because an entity like myself may fear that it may not make it to fourth density earth after the harvest uh we'll start we'll switch it up this time what do you think jim um how a person will respond to the information that there is a harvest to make and that we need to be able to harness our energies in a certain way in order to make that harvest could cause fear i mean it depends on what people really how they approach their life i don't think there's any reason to fear it you know objectively um this is actually something that can give us a lot of inspiration that that there is a, a path that we can travel that will take us to a more full expression, not only of ourself, but a closer approximation to the one creator. And this is something that you know, really excites me to think that if uh, I can learn how to love everyone and everything around me, at least 51% of the time, and that doesn't seem too difficult. I don't think there's a lot to fear there. 51% of the time that I can make a harvest. I can, I can go on to the fourth density where there's not going to be a veil. I'm going to see how the creation is made is all one thing out of the creator, you know, that I'll be able to travel further along this path and see that the, the path provides a lot of different adventures, a lot of different uh, things to learn, the services to offer. And 
and just you know an incredible array of opportunity to expand one's consciousness and one's heart and one's uh, total beingness. It, it, to me, it, it's totally exciting. Now, I don't know, you know, maybe some people would be afraid of not making the harvest, but I think rather than placing your consciousness on any kind of a fear there, um, put it on the positive side and say, look at this opportunity that's available to me. This is something that's just amazing. I mean, how, how about that? Let's, let's do this. So that's the way I feel about it. What do you think, Austin? Um, yeah, that's a good answer. I think um, first I would point out a distinction that I see in Arnold's words where he sort of conflates the concept of uh, reality as an illusion and the harvest itself. And um, I just want to make this distinction because it certainly makes sense that a person would become aware of the harvest if they are made fully aware of the illusion. But I see the concept of illusion as a much, uh, much broader concept than the specific mechanism of harvest that I think he's talking about. So I want to point out that there might be spiritual systems of belief which speak about our reality as an illusion, but do not speak specifically about harvest. And I think the concept of the illusion is a much more central and useful concept than an event like harvest. But that said, um, I look at Arnold's question the same way as uh, Jim, that he's asking about fear being generated by the concept of harvest itself. And in that case, um, I have seen it. I have, do think that there uh, could be a, um, a consequence of the Confederation seeming to focus so centrally on harvest. And uh, like Jim was pointing out, this is sort of um, its catalyst like anything else. It could generate fear. It could generate hope. Um, it could generate a whole range of emotions. I don't know exactly uh, why the choice was made by the Confederation to have such a focus on an event like that. Um, not only is it mentioned as a major reason for the incarnation of wanderers, but it was also one of the few topics that Ra would proactively offer information about without uh, directly being asked. And it was also a very central uh, topic in the earlier conscious channelings. So um, with that much focus being placed on it uh, in the channelings, I think the concept itself does have the potential for causing fear. And um, I think it's because many people view third density, especially our own third density experience, as sort of um, a hellscape almost. And uh, having to experience more third density almost seems like a punishment to some. And I think this perspective is um, maybe exaggerated by our particular third density on Earth which Ra seems to indicate is an unusually confused experience. And that confusion can cause a lot of inner turmoil. Uh, but the general idea of harvest, I think, also implies the sentiment, uh, better hurry up or else you're not going to make it. Um, and uh, maybe that's part of the reason why the Confederation chose to focus so heavily on it, uh, to help instill sort of a sense of urgency. Uh, simply as a catalyst for polarization. But I believe that uh, when this focus is put on some sort of uh, arbitrary cutoff date um, or some arbitrary finish line or goal, it might lessen the integrity of the seeking that it creates. Instead of a person seeking to serve others because they have a genuine 
uh, realization of love and the creator in all things. They might seek to serve others simply to avoid a future discomfort. Uh, so they just don't have to repeat third density again. Um, so I don't think, uh, I don't know uh, if the Confederation's heavy focus has been helpful, uh, but I will share an observation of my own uh, for Arnold. Most people that I've seen who are scared and worried about making the harvest are really uh, genuinely good people. Like Jim was saying, 51% Ra talks about it being a difficult number to achieve, but I think that that difficulty was in the many, many lifetimes that we have lived before this lifetime here. Um, we are sort of at a culmination point, and uh, I think if you are seeking love, in this lifetime, you have made that choice, and uh, there's really no reason to fear any repeat third density. And so I would say to Arnold or anyone else who has fear, uh, don't worry so much about the harvest. Don't worry about having to continue third density or uh, graduating to another level. Um, if you're like me, the choice to seek love within this lifetime reaps its own rewards and uh, it's in the joy that is experienced from that seeking. Or at the very least, if it hasn't been a joyful experience, um, hopefully there has been the truth that has been recognized from that seeking, which um, is also very liberating for me. So um, maybe the Confederation would be mad at me for suggesting that you not worry about harvest, but uh, that's kind of how I feel. Uh, how about you, Gary? Um beautiful answers from both of you and then as usual there'll be some overlap in my answer um i would start tackling andrew's answer andrew's questions by asking some questions of my own starting with um does being aware of spiders create fear does being aware of germs create fear does being aware of one's own mortality create fear um as with these questions i don't think there's a one-size-fits-all answer to your question um like jim was saying there's he doesn't think uh, knowledge of the harvest or the illusion or really any topic in the world, including knowledge of fear itself, um, is objectively uh, or objectively produces fear in, in a person. It all depends on your own perspective, uh, where some may feel liberated upon learning that this experience is an illusion. Others may um, indeed become afraid. Um like Austin was saying, I can empathize with the concern about not making harvest, uh, and especially from the standpoint of this particular third density experience. Uh, wh whatever your situation or station in life, each day presents opportunity, a lot of opportunity for pain and confusion and suffering. And from this perspective, the concept of harvest can seem like an exit, an escape an escape pod, <laughs> a transition to a long-sought heavenly oasis where you're free of the suffering. And to think that one may seemingly miss that boat and be, you might say, stuck in this mud pool of violence and ignorance and brutality for another 25,000 years or so um, could cause some consternation. Uh, we've discussed on this program before the, the vibratory rate, as Ra defines it, necessary for graduation into fourth density. Ra says that, that the entity must be at a 51% service to others. Jim translated that into time, 51% you know, of your, your time um, being devoted to serving others. But uh, ultimately, we're not entirely sure how informative such a number is when we have no means of performing any reasonable measurements ourselves. But I think, I hope, it's safe to say that 
Anyone who's oriented towards basic human loving kindness is at this level already. Anyone who recognizes, <clears throat> um, as Austin was describing, recognizes the ideals of the positive polarity and pursues them, including the respecting of free will of self and others, practicing love and acceptance over control and manipulation, etc., um, has already made this choice. And, of course, that... Uh, <clears throat> You know, we hear from people who who think that they are taking an honest assessment of themselves and, and see that they have hate within them or desire to control or seemingly other non-positive aspects of the self. And to make the choice doesn't mean to become perfect or to rid oneself of every ounce of darkness and negativity and selfishness and, and so forth. Um, it's only to, to tilt yourself in the direction of, of positive service to service to others oriented work and and to do to do the work and chances are if you are walking a spiritual path yourself um, you are well over that mark and if that's helpful to hear at all i will second what austin said um, i of course cannot know that uh, definitively but i can say is that i understand and suggest that as the spiritual vision matures it becomes less about reaching a particular place or goal or event or condition and becomes more about being here and now, more about accepting this moment as it is, accepting the self as it is, and being where you are. And um, it can, your entire outlook and your sense of your environment can become exactly as Jim described, where you look at the the road ahead and see adventure um not a road free of pain or pitfalls <clears throat> or even terrors in the night but and ultimately you have zoomed out sufficiently that you can see that um you're on a course and that the universe is assisting you and that life can be the material that life gives you can be used for your own growth and it is going to be an adventure for you um, and you'll have support along the way uh, personally to conclude I find knowledge about the illusion to be uh, liberating um, it if I was just completely let, let's say asleep if I wasn't aware that there were that we lived in a multi-dimensional universe that there was more to the universe to life to this world than the world you see in consensus reality or the world you see on the media, I'd be pretty freaking bummed. Um, I think I'd have a really hard time coping in this world. And I, I don't know how well I would even uh, mentally survive to, to be able to navigate my way through. It is liberating to know that the world as we perceive it is not final, <clears throat> um, which isn't to say that... Uh, I relate to it by negating it or saying, oh, this isn't real, so I don't need to feel it or I don't need to face it or I don't need to deal with it. It's just knowing that this is um, one thin slice of reality and that there's so much more and that more includes connection and um, love and uh, safety, you might say, and and ultimately eternity and, and infinity. So uh, I find it, uh, as I was saying, liberating. So, uh, what say you, Austin or Jim? A uh, couple of items. Um, I agree with you. If uh, this really were the crown of creation, it would be a very disturbing thought. 
Um, but, you know, most of the people in the world, according to Charles uh, Eisenstein, that's their worldview, is that uh, this is the best that it gets, you know, science and religion together are going to get us where we're going. Um, the other thing was, uh, I want to clarify a little bit on the 51%. I think, um, well, it is hard to figure out exactly what the 51% means, but I was considering all of our thoughts, all of our words, and all of our actions, in other words, all of our energy expenditures, if they could be uh, quantified in any way, that if 51% of them were toward the service to others or loving uh, the positive polarity, then that would probably constitute the harvest. Ra mentions that it's the uh, overall balance of our energy centers that's really going to be the thing that determines whether or not we make the harvest. And of course, each of the energy centers has a certain function. The uh, the red ray goes with uh, sexual um, experiences and survival, and the orange ray is independent uh, experience with one other entity, the emotional responses, and yellow is group entities, and, and then green, where we need to get, is universal love. So it ascends in the ability to um, touch other people and to have our energy expenditures be um, have an effect, perhaps, upon others. And then if our energy centers are in a balanced fashion, we can uh, withstand the impact of the light that we'll be walking into after the, uh, the graduation is underway for us, which apparently it's been underway for quite some time. I think Garaz said the first beginnings were somewhere. Well, if you use uh, 60, 35 years before uh, 1980, then it would be 1945 or so. So the graduation has been going on for a while. Um, another thing I wanted to uh, say to um, Arnold to kind of give him a little hope here is that uh, there's a quality of the uh, seniority vibration. Everybody here is here hmm. because he or she has a pretty good chance of making the harvest because of efforts made in previous incarnations. So that's only the the people that are here, you know, uh, ones that have the chance. Seven billion of them. Can you imagine what the gene pool was? If that's the, the seniority, what the others, how many there could be here? Anyway, uh, that is something to take into account because uh, you're here because you have a chance to make it. And uh, since you're asking these questions like this, you're also a conscious seeker which really speaks highly of the likelihood that you'll, you'll figure out a way of uh, making the harvest. I don't think a person has to be a conscious seeker. Don mentioned in there that the person could uh, have no knowledge of law of one whatsoever and not uh, have any understanding, as Ross said, this is not the density of understanding, have no real concept of the qualities necessary for harvest and still uh, make the harvest if they are of that grade, simply expressing, you know, I mean, I think everybody knows somebody in his or her life that is just a good person, that's not uh, particularly articulate, not refined in their philosophy, but they're just a good person. And you know they're going to make it because they love everybody. You know, so, you know, take heart. It's, it's going to work out. Hmm. Austin? Um, just to build off of a couple things you were just saying, um, one of them being... Uh, also, the idea of wanderers, if you are a wanderer that is here, you made this choice a long time ago. You made the choice to love many, 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 many years ago. And um, if I, I believe that if you have tapped back into that choice here in third density, you really don't have a whole lot to worry about. Um, you already have a strong polarity. And um, Ra was never very specific about how the harvest works with wanderers, whether they have to meet some sort of um, harvesting point. Uh, Kuo does say a bit about it, but Ra never said anything specific. 
Uh, but I believe that, you know, if you're a wanderer and you have even gotten a, a hint of that love and um, are walking that path, you really have absolutely nothing to worry about. And, and uh, you can either continue wandering or go back to your home density after this incarnation. Um, once you get to the other side, uh, continuing with third density experience might look like a fun thing if you're a wanderer because you made the choice to come here. Um, and also, uh, to talk about that 51% threshold, um, I've never been a big fan of using those types of numbers because we never understood exactly what that meant. Um, Ra was not specific about 51% of what. And um, Jim talked about balance being a better uh, indication. And uh, I would just like to point out that like, I, I feel the 51% could be uh, as small as if you make the choice to smile at a stranger, that counts towards your 51% of whatever you need 51% of. If you hold the door for somebody, um, or if you just have a loving thought, um, if you get angry at somebody and then choose to uh, look at that anger because you want to love instead, I think that counts for a big portion of that 51%. So just things like that. Um, we don't know what the 51% is, so I wouldn't stress about the number. But um, if you are walking this path, like uh, we've all said, um, I think that there's a pretty good chance you've made it already. That's all. How about you, Gary? Yeah, a couple of quick thoughts. I think um, as as problematic as it can be to work with that 51% uh, number, Jim was right. There are other ways to – there are other associated um, metrics, you might say, um, with harvest, including the openness of the heart and the balance of the system. And um, Austin, what he was saying about if you smile at somebody, um, got me thinking. There is a, I swear I came across a Martin Luther King Jr. quote sometime years ago, and I haven't been able to find it again, but um, <laughs> I feel like he said something about how we're not judged by individual acts, but by the content of your character. No, that wasn't it either, but it gets to the same or similar concept. But by like the overall arc of our growth or something along those lines. But uh, I think that's the, the that's the case, too. Um, it's kind of it, it might be an aggregate, even the, the way we're just slightly tilted in one direction or another, even though we may have actions or thoughts um, within our being that run contrary to that orientation. Ra uses the word bias, actually. We're here to bias our consciousness in one direction or the other. And uh, and to conclude, I think that Jim's thought about seniority of vibration uh, was really astute that hadn't occurred to me. Everybody on this planet right now is uh, capable of achieving that, making the choice in one direction or another. <clears throat> um, that probably brings us to the end of our show, I'd imagine. Yep, we are we are there. All right. Well, Jim, would you have anything to offer to the listeners? Well, folks, we just want you to know how much we appreciate you listening, and we appreciate your questions. We want you to know how much we love you, and we feel the love coming back. So um, take that love and multiply it out there. Love it forward. If you're ever in doubt of what to do when you see another person, smile and love them. 
You've been listening to LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our websites, llresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thanks so much for listening, and a special thank you to those who submitted questions. If you'd like to send us a question before the next show, please read the instructions on our page at llresearch.org slash podcast. New episodes are published to the archive website every other Wednesday afternoon. Have a wonderful couple weeks, and we'll talk with you then. Oh.